Welcome, birders. This is Ed Pullen, your host on the Bird Banter Podcast. It's been a while since I've worked at putting up a podcast episode, as I had a couple of episodes recorded and ready to publish while I was away on a big trip. But I wanted to wait until I got home to record the introduction, as I just wanted to talk about Antarctica. Antarctica! A couple of days ago, I got back from a grueling trip home from Ushuaia, Argentina, where the expedition crews started and finished, uh, and I got back to Tacoma. The trip involves three legs, a 10 and a half hour red eye flight and two long layovers, uh, but was more than worth the effort. I had signed up to go on an expedition cruise with Quark Expeditions with the ABA, Rock Jumper Birding, Alvaro Aramillo's Alvaro's Adventures, all getting together to fill a boat with birders for the trip that was scheduled to go in 2020. Uh, needless to say, it was postponed in 2020 and again in 2021. So I had to wait till this year to catch COVID on the trip. That put a real dent in the expected itinerary, as I had really been excited about going to South Georgia, and that didn't happen at all, as my five-day in-cabin quarantine coincided to miss all three days of Zodiac landings on the island. But it was still a great trip. Penguins, albatrosses, petrels, giant petrels, diving petrels, prions, shags, lots of excellent and interesting birders. It was just a fabulous trip. I'll leave it at that, as on the next episode, I'll talk about the trip in a lot more detail. It was full of lifetime firsts, both bird species, li bird species lifers, and lots of other experiences. Getting back to this episode, though, Belize was one of the first places I birded outside of the U.S. and Canada. I went with Kay on a trip to Belize in 2011. And although it was not really a birding trip, we did manage to get a, a little bit of birding in and really enjoyed the country. So when a listener suggested Francisco Canto Jr., a top Belize birder as a bird and a bird guide, as a guest on the show, I was quick to reach out to him. He agreed to do the episode, and I'm glad he did. It was fun talking with Francisco. I learned a lot about Belize and birding there. I hope you'll enjoy hearing from Francisco, too. Help me welcome Francisco Canto Jr. to the Bird Bader Podcast, episode number 142. Francisco, thank you for being on the podcast with me today. How are you? Thanks, Ed, for having me. I'm pretty good. Looking good. forward to talking with you. Very nice. What's it like in Belize right now? Right now, the weather is beautiful. We have clear skies. It's not too hot. And the birds are good, of course. So it's, it's pretty good. Best of all. Best of all. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I I have very little experience. I was in Belize one time in 19, excuse me, in 2011 uh, mm -hmm. and birded just a little bit. I went to an echo lodge where they had a guide. I got out for a couple of half days and I got a side trip to Tikal. So I visited nice. there and, and I was at Key Cocker for a few days, mostly just swimming and, and such, but did get a little birding in. What, what is... Uh, What's going on in Belize uh, right now? And, and tell me sort of the birding season in Belize. What's it like there? Well, right now it's pretty good because we're in like peak migration. So now is the time for all the all the rare birds to show up, all the North American warblers. But we still have the, the locals around, which, which is pretty good as well. Um, right now the hawk watch is going on too. So that's another thing. Whenever that is going on, we, uh, we get rare bird reports every day. So it's nice. always fun, fun to look at that and see what's going on. And um, this is the time of year when everybody in Belize is out birding. So now is when you get all the reports of the the stray warblers or flycatchers or shorebirds or whatnot. Now is the time to get out and bird and look for them. So it's it's very fun birding in Belize at this time of year. 
Very nice. Uh, I don't think of Belize as a place to go hawk watching. What is a hawk watch like in Belize? Is there a specific place you go or what, what's happening for hawk watching? All right. So for this hawk watch, there is a specific place. It's in southern Belize at a village called Captain Landing. It's actually, um, we have a shed or a tent set up on, at the football field there. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I think it's because of the geographic location. That's almost like a funnel for raptors going further south um, into South America. And also not just the raptors, also passerines and other types of birds. For some reason, that specific spot, a lot of good birds pass through there. So our Hawkwatch ranges is from the 1st of October to the 15th of December. Mm. So that's peak migration. And um, they're mainly looking for migratory raptors. One of the main birds that they look for would be the hookbill kite. Oh, nice. Which is a... It's a neotropical um, raptor, but it gets up to like Texas, like southern Texas. Mm-hmm. You can exactly. find them. And it's a pretty interesting um, raptor. It feeds on snails, similar to the snail kite, but mm-hmm. they feed on terrestrial snails. So they would usually like the snails they like would be found in like citrus orchards. Mm-hmm. So they would descend upon the orchards and look for the snails. And for some reason, um, at the Hawkwatch, throughout the season, you can get over a thousand hookbill kites passing through there. And it's very interesting because we have no idea where those birds are coming from, right? Sure. For example, more north in Veracruz, you don't see a thousand hookbill kites. And if you go go further south to the other hot hot watches south of Belize, you don't get that number either. So that's one of the main focuses. They want to try to figure out where they're coming from and where they're going. And sure. um, Why they come there. Yeah, exactly why they pass through that specific area and you just get, in one day you can have over a thousand birds and it's just it's just mind-blowing. So you can have a thousand hookbill kites in one day? In one day, yep. Oh my goodness. Gosh, I, I've seen a grand total, I think, of two hookbill kites. Two hookbill kites? <laughs> that's, that's good, that's good. Yeah, they were in <laughs> Texas, so they're on my ABA list. So that was... That was nice. Still, uh, hookbill kites are really cool, but they've got to, uh, for people who don't know, they've got this weird shape. They've got these big paddle-like wings, and they're just a goofy-looking bird in flight. They, they, they are, don't they look are. like most other kites at all, uh, most true, other true. raptors. Yeah, very cool. So do you think, do they? is the theory that some of those breed uh, are coming near near Belize and just happen to go through there and don't go, don't go uh, through, the, through the other sites because of that, or... No, no theories really. There are a couple theories. There might be that the majority of the population is like within the Yucatan Peninsula, mm-hmm. and there's not really a Hawkwatch site because Veracruz is more north, and right? The sites in like Costa Rica and Panama are more south, so probably they're somewhere um between Belize, Guatemala, and Mexico in that area. Mm-hmm. And um, it could be maybe it's um food related. They're mm-hmm. following the snails or um where the snails are pro- proliferating more. Right. Um, but they they would need to probably tag, satellite tag one of these birds and figure out exactly sure. what's going on. So I think that's in the plans for the future. Oh, nice. I the guys there, and um, I think eventually that's going to be one of the things that they do, track one of the birds and just see where it goes from there. And that will be fun to see. Yes, very. it would be really cool to see. And it sounds doable. They're a big bird. You could certainly get a radio radio tag and then you know practically and not harm the bird a yep. whole lot so you, that, you could that's doable. you could yeah. yeah the only thing is that they like little flimsy trees oh yeah nests on so 
you would need like a really really small guy to get up there <laughs> they don't, they don't yeah. take the tree with them but yeah i think yeah. it's doable too in maybe you in could future. get maybe you could get one in migration lure them down the, Although if they go to snails, it'd probably be hard to lure them down. Snails are it might be a yeah, bit tough, yeah. Other 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 raptors you can, you know, put a, a mouse or a bird out and, and attract them into a net, but can't really hook a snail out there to attract them yeah. into a net very well. <laughs> You're gonna be there forever. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't work, would it? <laughs> very cool. So Francis, tell me about your birding guide business. Uh uh the Julie de Grummond, who recommended you for the podcast, uh said that you took her on a on a trip. Tell me about your uh, guiding guiding services yes that that was a fun trip so um that trip was one of was with one of the companies i work with um called road scholar and they offer a a birding package to belize and that was uh i think it was a 10 day package or 10 night package mm-hmm. and um we covered a lot of interesting habitats in belize belize is small mm-hmm. but the habitats vary a lot so that makes the birding very easy um a lot of a lot of the places are easily accessible. Um, you can drive to most of the national parks, park, get out, walk on a trail, and um, it's pretty easy. So I had fun with Julie. That was actually one of my first big trips, and um, but it was really nice. Um, we visited. We started in, I think it was Central Belize, like the Cuckoo Tree Wildlife Sanctuary. Okay. We have tons of water birds. We did the um like more like central Belize. Mm-hmm. Then we did like the foothills of the Maya Mountains. So we we got those nice forest birds. We got like scarlet macaws. We did a bit of coastal birding. So we went uh, near the coast, picked up birds like cinnamon hummingbird, Yucatan viria, and things like that. So um, I do offer. I take people on tour here in Belize. Mm-hmm. Um. Currently, that's sort of on hold because I'm doing research. I'm working in the field doing field research. So, Oh, nice. I would, if I'm, like, say, for example, maybe somebody wants a one or a two-day tour. Um, if I'm free, I can always pick them up, take them somewhere. If they have a target list, that would be ideal. And then I can try to plan a trip around that. Or if they want a longer trip, I have a lot of friends who are in tourism and are good guides. I would just recommend them and... They would still come to Belize and have a good time, even though they wouldn't be with me. Yeah, sounds great. Uh, so, what uh, you know, what uh, is especially attractive about Belize uh, as a site for birders? I know one thing for a lot of birders: the fact that English is the native language, not native, the primary language at this point. There uh, is a is an attraction to U.S. birders, uh, correct? And uh, it, it's a little less intimidating, maybe, than the Spanish-speaking Latin America, uh, but. Uh, other than that, and as you mentioned, it's a relatively small country that has a lot of different habitats. Uh, what what are, are there some endemics in Belize? Are there some specific places that are really, really cool birding? Oh, yeah, for sure. Endemics wise, um, we share we don't have any bird that's endemic specifically to Belize. We have a few subspecies like the, um, the yellow-headed parrot. We have an endemic subspecies called the Belicensis. So, but that's... Um, on a subspecies base, I don't think it will be split. Also, our scarlet macaw has a endemic subspecies as well, but um, they're just subspecies. So our main focus here, like when you come breeding here, would be the Yucatan endemics. Mm-hmm. So birds that you would find in Belize, Guatemala, and Mexico. Mm-hmm. And we have some really good places for that. For example, the Cucuchi Wildlife Sanctuary. 
which is um that's on almost every single birding package in Belize that is included. Like you wouldn't want to miss that because um there is home to a lot of the Yucatan endemics. So birds like Yucatan flycatcher, um Yucatan woodpecker, Yucatan parrot, which is called the yellow lord parrot, are all found there quite quite easily. Mm-hmm. You can go on the boat and you can get good looks at birds like agami heron, sun grebe, pinnated bittern. So those would be some of the targets. If you head more north or to the west, in places like the Rio Bravo Conservation Area, that's a good place to see the oscillated turkey, which is just this amazing bird with seven, eight different colors. Um, and when it's displaying, it's like a peacock because it spreads its tail. The males would go and spread its tail and display it to the females. Very and nice. that's a really good bird. Um, it has been hunted. So throughout its range, it's only found in protected areas. But once you get in those areas and you spend a little time, you can almost guarantee seeing that, that bird. So that's one of the main targets. Another thing that um, brings a lot of birders here would be we have good food as well. Our cuisine, we have a mix of different cultures. So we have Hispanic influence from Mexico and Guatemala. Mm-hmm. We have the native Mayans. We have the Garifuna people which are from the Caribbean, they're descendants of, of Africans. Then we have like myself who identifies a Creole person. And all of that, everybody brings their their culture, their food, everything to the table. So throughout the country, usually on these tours, we try to stop at places where you can try some of these traditional meals. Like if we were to go to Southern Belize, we would stop at a Garifuna community and try like the, um, it's a, like a fish soup made with fresh fish, um, coconut milk. Then they put like habanero peppers and you eat it with a mixture of green and um, ripe plantains. So that's like a, um, almost like a pate and you dip that in the soup and it's just amazing. Guests always really, really appreciate that meal. I bet they do. Yeah, the uh, good good eating on a birding tour is an extra bonus for sure. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> uh, Francis, you're also a avid photographer. I uh, congratulations. I saw that you uh, had uh, some of your bird photographs chosen as uh, a series of postage stamps in your country. That's an accomplishment. Yes, that that was that was a fun project to work with. Um, that was in collaboration with the Audubon Society. Okay. Um, the post office had reached out to them and they wanted to do a definitive stamp collection, which means a stamp collection that would be in in place for five years. Oh, nice. So, so the stamps would be the main stamps you could purchase for the next five years. Well, about three years is remaining now for that series. And they, did, they wanted birds who... Um, sort of common birds in Belize so that, you mm-hmm. know, school kids or your average person can look at it and be like, wow, I know this bird. I've seen this sure. in my backyard. So our main focus, we we're, were trying to get a combination of birds that people knew. For example, the grackle is on one of the stamps and mm-hmm. the grackle is everywhere. That's the bird. No matter yeah. which part of the country you are, you're going to see a grackle. So I, um, I, I, My grackle story. I remember I was at Key Cocker and it mm-hmm. was at the time of year when the grackles were molting. 
And there were all of these really weird birds. I knew they were grackles and they had no tails at all. The strangest <laughs> looking things. You know, for yeah. listeners, great tail grackle is has a really big tail. It's like as long as the rest of the bird, or even longer, maybe. Uh, yeah. and when they don't have any tail feathers at all, they are very strange looking. Yeah, the, they have caught me a couple of times. Like, what is that bird? And then I look at it and I'm like, ah. It's yeah. just a grackle, but yeah, they're um, they're they're smart birds. They're um, fun. Like at home, like if you were to leave like a plate of food outside for mm -hmm. too long, they would come and they would open it, or maybe if something's in a piece of foil paper, they would open the foil and eat eat mm -hmm. whatever is in there. And um, so they're although they're common, they're interesting birds just to look at because you can tell all the gears are working in their head when when they're trying to solve a problem. They are. Um, I, the, my yep. other grackle story, I was with a, a group in uh, the Rio Grande Valley of Texas, and there are a really lot of great tail grackles there. And in the morning, they line up on the utility wires by the thousands. I mean, as far as you can see, they're all <laughs> lined up, you know, one beside the other. And the weirdest thing in the morning, they would all be looking one way. I mean, every single <laughs> one had the head pointing to the left. And in the afternoon, They'd all be looking the other way. Uh, <laughs> we, we couldn't figure out. Were they trying to crazy. avoid the avoid the sun or what was going on? It was so strange. That's different. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> I, I like watching them sometimes. They're fun to watch. They were fun. Anyway, what were some of the other birds that were chosen for your series? Oh, other birds were like the vermilion flycatcher. And that's Beautiful. a bird. When you come, that's a bird that everybody wants to see, especially the males, because they're bright red. And they stand out. You can see one from afar. So that's always a good bird. And that's a bird. If you live along the coast in open areas, that's a bird you can see. So it's a bird you can relate to as well. There were birds like the crested guan, mm -hmm. which is locally they call it the guam. People hunt it. But it's birds that people can see when they're out. Maybe in a little bit better habitat, they can come across that bird. The brown pelican. I mean, once they're... On the coast, you're gonna see a brown pelican, no doubt. Sure. Um, double crested cormorant, that's on it as well. We locally call that the shag. Mm -hmm. British heritage, yes. <laughs> Yellow warbler, the mangrove subspecies, which is oh, found nice. just along the coast and they on are the beautiful. Keys, so beautiful. That's one of my favorite warblers to see. Whenever I see that bird, I'm like, wow. Yeah, the fact, amazing, that, amazing the fact that it's, that it's the same species as our yellow warbler is kind of amazing to me. They, yep. they, you would not know they were related. I mean, they're both yellow, yeah. but the the whole different head color. It's just quite, quite a shockingly different bird. Just beautiful, though. Yep, they need to be split. <laughs> we need two separate species because that bird is just, it's just a wow. When when I get guests to see that bird, everybody's like, wow. What a beautiful bird. I want a tick for that bird. <laughs> exactly. A free life for a free life. Yeah, for a... really. Maybe we'll get an armchair tick in the future. Fingers crossed. Fingers yeah, crossed. We shall see. So uh, if if I were going to uh, come to Belize for a birding trip, how long would you recommend for a, to really get a good feel for the country? I mean, I, I'm assuming it's not three weeks, but probably more than a few days, I would guess. Yeah, I would say anything between maybe eight and ten days. Mm -hmm. You can get a good cross section, maybe even throwing a little snorkeling. Oh maybe yeah, visit one of the keys and get some island birds. Why not? I mean, com coming to Belize is like um, you should definitely try to squeeze in a little bit of snorkeling. I mean, we're known for having the second largest barrier reef, tons mm -hmm. of reef fish, 
And just being out on the keys is, is amazing. And not to mention the birds. Yeah, for sure. Um, keys are migrant traps. So, yeah, I would definitely say between 8 and 10 days. And then you can hit the majority of the main habitat. So, like, you can do, like, the Kukuchi Wildlife Sanctuary, which would be uh, wetland with savanna mm-hmm. and some some dry broadleaf. So you can get a couple of Yucatan endemics, uh, some of the waders, um, then I would recommend going inland to one of the resorts there, maybe along the Makala River mm-hmm. or in southern Belize, so you can get like the nice raptors, like maybe like a white hawk, an ornate hawk eagle, mm-hmm. um, orange-breasted falcon, which is another big bird for us here in Belize. Um, between Belize and Guatemala, there's only about, the last numbers were like about 25 pairs left. Oh, and wow. that's between... Belize and Guatemala. It hasn't been seen in Mexico in quite some time. So that's another bird I would definitely go for. It is up here in the mountain pine ridge where I currently work. So um, if you can include a mountain pine ridge there in your trip, possibilities are... It can be a tough bird sometimes, especially when it's not breeding. But if you come to the mountain pine ridge, there's definitely an opportunity for you to do that. See that bird. Then you can go into the more south which the forest is a little bit more wet mm-hmm. so you get like um some of the really nice fly catchers like sepia cap fly catcher um buff throated foliage gleaner you can try for owls like spectacle owl mottle owl and a few others and also the keys you can hit one of the keys spend the morning birding picking up maybe yucatan vireo mangrove warbler mm-hmm. um if you're lucky, you can get birds like brown nadi, bridal tern, shoot tern, and then, um, of course, you can snorkel with turtles and manatees and whatever else it may be. So with eight to ten days, you can get a really, really good cross section. You can aim for maybe between two hundred and fifty and three hundred species, quite leisurely, nothing too extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the birds you can see, you might have a few that would be heard only, but that's sort of expected when you're in the tropics and you have dense forests so definitely if you come to belize nothing less than i would say seven days to get a good cross section of the birds the habitats and even the different cultures because you can always visit a maya site you can do a cultural tour i mean um if you go to southern belize you can do a a tour a maya tour mm-hmm. um you can do a, a garinago tour the garifuna people and you can try their food and you can tie all of that in with birding so it would be a birding a cultural and a food tour all in one with some snorkeling. So hard to beat that. Sounds pretty good to me. Yeah. So Francis, uh, what is the work that you're doing now? You said you're doing field work. Yes. So here I'm up here in the mountain Pine Ridge. This is a very unique habitat in Belize. It's, um, majority of it is pine. Like the we have two types of pine here in Belize. And it's at a higher elevation than most of the rest of the country apart from the higher peaks so we're actually doing like an inventory of the birds that are in this area um we're just trying to figure out what's here when they're here when they're not um because it's very interesting because some birds you would expect to see here for example a bird like uh, the ruddy ground dove which is common throughout the country it's very unlikely to find one up here and we don't know why but it certainly you can see it from as the seasons go on. You're like, wow, I don't see this bird anymore. Not their neighbor. Wow. Yep. 
they're just not here or some birds are here one part one time of the year and then they're gone another part of the year and apart from doing the surveys i also help with the the orange breasted falcon crew okay um, last year well this year this season they banded quite a few chicks and i was able to help with one of those um bandings which was pretty cool but um those guys who do the banding they're they're pretty tough because these falcons nest on cliffs on like next to waterfalls that are infested with bees and oh my they have goodness. to yep they have to send down the rope put on a bee suit and <laughs> <laughs> rappel down to the nest while being attacked by the parents gently take the chick out bring it up wait band it and try to get it back down <laughs> And not die in the process. So I saw all of that and it, it was pretty cool work. I actually got to hold the chick, which was pretty cool. And then a couple months later, I went back and I saw the chick fully fledged in flight doing its thing. I'm like, wow, that's an, an amazing bird. Because they're, they're a large falcon. They're fast. And when you watch them just dive into these um, gorges and these cliffs, and just disappear like it's so hard to keep up with them it's just an amazing experience to see that bird in action taking a pigeon or a parrot or something like that there it's hard to explain you would need to be there to see it and that's one of the birds we try to get our guests to see for sure yeah it sounds pretty cool experience francis can good for good on you for that that's really cool so francis you seem like you're a pretty avid birder how do tell me your birding story how did you get started in birding well <laughs> it's a interesting story um so my family is originally from, well, my mom's side of the family, they're from Crooked Tree, which is a known birding right. destination. And um, when I was younger, I used to spend a lot of time there with my grandfather. He was from there and he would always take me down to the Audubon office mm -hmm. and he would buy me like these little field guides and these pamphlets with birds and stuff. And I would look at it and be like, wow, cool birds, right? And um, I thought when doing that, um, holiday after holiday, I thought like, man, I, I probably knew the birds until I was a bit older. I went to um, uh, a birding lodge. I wasn't a birder. Like I had just, I had interest in nature and wildlife on a whole. I wasn't mm -hmm. specifically into birds. So I went there for my birthday for a couple of days. And um, we went on a couple of tours and the guides there, they're really good birders, right? One of my good friends now took us on a on a tour, mm -hmm. and he was pointing out all these birds, and I'm like, "Wow, I had thought I knew birds, but clearly, <laughs> clearly I knew nothing." So I'm like, "Wow, that is very very impressive." So they were showing us all these birds and so forth, but it didn't really stick that much until we were we were heading back. We were um. Going back because to get to the lodge, you have to take a boat ride on the river. Mm -hmm. So you get a lot of water birds and birds who are who are within that habitat. And going back, we saw this large raptor that was, it had this beautiful rufous coloration, a white head and a black color around the neck. And I was like, wow, what is that thing? So I asked the guy and he was like, oh, that's a black colored hawk. We get that pretty often here. I'm like, what? That bird you get here often, that beautiful thing exists in Belize. And I was like, okay, I don't know anything about birds. Now is my time to learn. <laughs> so the first thing I did as soon as I got home, 
I went and I bought the field guide, the birds of belief. And, and so how old were you at this time, Francis? This was about going about seven years ago now. Okay. About so I was I was like 20, 21. Okay. At that time. Yeah, so as I got home, I went to the bookstore, I bought my birds of belief and I began reading it um page to page and I'm like, wow, we have about six hundred species of birds. And I knew about 20 and I thought I knew I knew a lot, but clearly it wasn't like that. So I did that. But I really I still didn't really pick it up that much until around because I went to the tour in around June. Mm-hmm. And then around like this time of year in October, that's when the Audubon Society has their urban bird watches. So I'm like, I had just gotten a camera with a 300 millimeter lens. So I'm like I have no idea what to photograph. I should probably try to photograph birds. I'm, I said, let me go along with the Audubon group and bird along with them. And I went with them. And man, it was so cool because everybody got excited over birds. I remember the bird of that trip was a, a lesser black gull, mm-hmm. which at the time, unknown to me, was like the second or third record for the country. Mm-hmm. And like everybody was losing their mind looking at this bird. And I'm like, Yep, these are my people. These are my people. And yeah. from there, from then, it was no turning back. Um, I hooked up with the Audubon Society. I tried to get on any tour they had. I started to meet people who were also interested in birds through Facebook, built a lot of good friends, friendships. And that's how it starts. And now it's just an unending cycle yeah. of birding and meeting people and going here and going there and no turning back. My life is ruined now. <laughs> Sounds like they have you hook, line, and sinker. Good for you. Hope, Good for hope. you. No turning yeah. back now. Very nice. Uh, so tell me about that. I, I have always thought that, uh, you know, uh, what was an, uh, it used to be Elder Hostel. Now it is, you named the tour that you took. Road Scholar. Yeah, Road Scholar. Changed it to yeah. Road Scholar. So that's, uh, uh, those are tours, you know, primarily designed for older older folks uh, and so i'm assuming they're at a less than super high pace you know at, at a modest uh, pace in terms of uh how fast you move and the amount of uh, uh energy expended and probably are uh, uh add the cultural and other aspects of it to attract a broader uh yeah, broader group of people am i uh interpreting that correctly you're correct you're correct I didn't know that uh I didn't know that Road Scholars had uh you know kind of big birding tours. I knew they had some tours that involved birding, I didn't, but I didn't realize they had any that were, you know, you know, really focused on birding. That's cool to hear. Oh yeah. Yeah. They have a few and throughout the region as well, so Guatemala, um Colombia, throughout the um neotropics, they have quite a few packages that they offer for birds for birding. Very nice. Good, good. So, Francis, what uh, if I was going to come to Belize birding? It would October be the best time so that I could catch the hawk watch at the same time, or is there a is there a season that is optimal for just the whole experience? I would recommend maybe March, April, May during that okay. time. One, we have the migrants from South America coming up, mm-hmm. so you get your yellow green vireo, your sulfur bellied flycatcher. Your okay. erratic flycatcher, and at that time, our resident birds are more vocal. Mm-hmm. They're more colorful, more expressive. So you have more opportunities to hear a bird and locate it. And also, you still have a few of the North American migrants still, um, still in town. 
So that would okay. be an ideal time. And also, um, it's not that hot, usually that time of year. Mm-hmm. Um, and if depending on the, the weather leading up to that time, if the water level is really good in Crooked Tree, you see thousands of birds because there's an optimal level where the water isn't too high and it isn't too low that the birds just congregate in large numbers. And after you do the boat tour, people are just amazed. They're like, how did I see a thousand great egrets, 500 great blue herons, mm-hmm. so many other. It's, it's just amazing. And um, so I would recommend that time of year. Um, you get a good mixture of tropical um, migrants, some from South America and also the local breeders. That's a good mm-hmm. time to be in the country. Yeah. Cool. Uh, is, is there a big birding community in Belize? Are there a lot of birders there? It is growing. Now you have birders scattered all over the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really fun because before some areas didn't have any birders, so you had no idea what would be there. And now right. there are people all over who are birding every day. So now we have an amazing snapshot of the different birds for the different regions. Sometimes you see, wow, this bird wasn't here before. 2006 and now that people's there recording you can see that okay this bird is resident there or they don't go this part of the country so it's our birding community is growing pretty pretty quickly and we're pretty tight-knit as well we share um birds we would say hey you want to come over we're going to do some birding here very cool yep it's it's very nice So so you've got your birding family throughout the whole country. That's good. Is eBird widely uh, used there? Yes, yes, it's widely used. That's how we get our our bird alerts where Mm -hmm. heart, you know, starts to beat fast and like, wow, there's this rare duck only two hours away. And then you plan a trip and then you go. So yeah, eBird is growing in popularity. A lot of people use it. And a lot of people want to be better at using eBird. Mm -hmm. Um, Me, I'm on the review team and we try to carry out uh, proficiency workshops to get people more proficient in using eBird, Good. which helps to build a more concise database. And mm-hmm. um, we're very, we're more, we're very strict here when it comes to eBird records. Like uh-huh. we want good, good documented records. So we try to push that to everybody because you know it's 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 fun when you see a bird and you can describe it well, and then you can know that maybe 15, 20 years from now. Um, somebody's researching this bird and they can use their well put together description as part of their um, scientific paper or something like that. So we try exactly. to push that to the entire community as best as can without being too stern, you know? Yeah. I, uh, I always appreciate my ear burger viewers. I learn a lot, you know, you learn a lot from your mistakes and uh, True. you know, and as nothing like a, a top birder who also has local knowledge. Uh, exactly. I mean, I've had, I've had eBird reviewers question sightings that I, they're just a common bird, it wasn't, but they're not common right in that specific hotspot. And uh, yep. is that, are you sure? I said, no, nah, I just heard it. I'm not sure at all. You know, that's uh, probably wrong. It's cool. Yep. And then you learn and then you learn. And the next time you'll be sure that you take a good look at the bird or take a picture and then you can exactly. be like, see, I, exactly. I knew it. And then, then you're all good. Yeah. Everybody benefits. Yeah. I, it, it just annoys me that eBird reviewers get harassed or, or just... You know, some people are so defensive about their sightings that they uh, uh, don't want them questioned like they're above yeah. question. You know, I, I know what I saw. End yeah. of story. <laughs> yeah. Some, yeah. Sometimes they don't even reply to you, but that's that's fine. We would yeah. keep trying. 
Yeah, that's okay. Well, I, without the work of you reviewers, eBird would be just a bunch of garbage. So it's really good. Uh, so what do you have uh, coming forward in terms of birding for yourself, Francis? It sounds like you're pretty busy working right now. Do you have any good birding uh, trips or you know plans coming going forward for this year and next? Well, next year, one of my big plans that I really want to do, I want to visit Oaxaca mm -hmm. in, in Mexico. So that's oh, yeah. been on my radar. And I think next year might be ideal for me in mm -hmm. terms of getting the time to actually go and maybe spend 10 or 12 days birding that area. Mm -hmm. I just really want to experience the culture there as well as the birds, the food, all the colors, the weird plants, everything. I just want to take it all in. And so that's definitely one of my plans. A bird I really want to see is the orange-breasted bunting. I mean, okay. that is, I can only see that bird and I'll be fine with my trip. I can come back home and it's going to be all good. But so fingers crossed that's, that's, that's going to happen. Um, in the short term, I'm heading home this weekend. So I, hopefully I can go look for, there's been an American avocet hanging around not too far from my house as well okay. as a ringneck duck. So, oh, nice. And where, where is home for you, Francis? I live in Belize City. Okay. So from, from where I live to where I work, it's about two hours, two and a half mm -hmm. hours okay, driving. So doable, so, but still a long ways. Yeah, still a long way. So I work in up here in the high elevation pines and I live along the coast. So it's a it's a big contrast when it comes to bird species. Like I can leave here in the morning and be listening to like Plumbius Vireo and Blackheaded Siskin. And when I go home, it's like, okay, now I have Yucatan Vireo and Mangrove Warbler. So it's a big, big difference. And yeah. that's what that's what makes Belize really attractive too, because in one day you can get both species. If your trip is planned accordingly, so very it's, nice. It's always fun. It is nice uh, to to be able to switch completely switch habitats in a matter of hours. Uh, that yeah. that uh, segues in nicely into big days. I saw that you lead big days or organize big days. Yes, I help with a few of the big days. Um, we've been trying to sort of establish a big day, like per district, but we've okay. Honest, We've done like the Belize district so far and Orange Rock as well. We still need to try to expand out to the Belize, to the other districts in Belize. So hopefully we can do that. Um, but the main, the two main big days we go for here are October Big Day and the Global Big Day, okay. which is organized by Cornell. Okay, and so by are... by Big Day, uh, you know, different people have different connotations. One one notion of a big day is for all the people in an area to look for as many birds as they can on that day. And the mm -hmm. other is for an individual or small group of birders to race around to a million places and see as many birds as they can in, in a day. So you're talking about, uh, you know, countrywide or countywide or whatever big days for all the birders to find the birds and see how many you can find collectively. Collectively. I, okay, Correct. cool. Yeah. Much, much uh, more sane way to do a big day. Yep. Yep. But there are, we have like, um, for when we, when they want to raise funds for the Raptor Watch, mm -hmm. they have what we call a birdathon. Mm -hmm. Because of COVID, it hasn't been done for like the last two years, but hopefully next year it can start back. So each lodge will build their team. Mm -hmm. They get a, a radius in which they have to stay from the lodge. Okay. And they pick they pick a day, and they go out and try to get as much species as possible. But it it's one team for the lodge, so everybody has to be together. Right. And I think at least two or three people need to see or hear the bird for it to count. 
mm-hmm. and you have to stay within your circle. And it's all for raising funds. So yeah. maybe do- donors can be like, okay, I'll donate $5 for every bird species species you see. Mm-hmm. So that pushes you to try to find a few people. more. Yep. Find a few more. And it's really fun because some of these guys are, are on point. I've, I've um participated in a few. And man, at the end of it, you're just like, wow, okay. Yep, tired, that's it. Dropping yeah. asleep. But it's fun because um, and then you can see how these guys really know know their lodge and the area really good because they can take a tally and be like, hey, we're missing a Mayan antrush. Let's go on this road. You go on the road, you wait five minutes, boom, you have a Mayan antrush. Yeah. On to the next one. And it's it's all in fun. So it's really fun to participate in that and that's how you meet a lot of people that you haven't birded with before. You come, you go on those trips and you spend the entire day just talking about birds, For laughing, sure. trying not to fall asleep, good coffee and good food. So that's, that's always fun. Having fun. So what, what uh, number of species would be a, a really good big day for one of those uh, lodges? Like anything above 200 is really good. I would think so. Um, yes. <laughs> 200 because you're limited. You have to see, yeah. I think it's within five miles of your lodge i think mm-hmm. that's the that's the range so you have to try to <laughs> scrape everything we call it rake and scrape so you try to scrape up scrape up all the birds from that area and hopefully you can beat the beat the next team yeah 200 birds uh, the diversity of birds in the tropics is just mind-blowing for north american birders uh you know in a county big day in near where i live you know, it's a county's pretty big. It's a, you know, it might travel 150 or 200 miles racing around yeah. all the habitats in a big day. And if we got 135 species, that would be a really good day, you know? <laughs> Definitely. Uh, and, uh, and you guys could probably do that from your doorstep, you know? Some, some days you can get, some places you can get a hundred before breakfast. So that's pretty, pretty yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Francis. Hey, that's cool. Uh, I, you said you've worked with road scholars, uh, as mm-hmm. a, as a, uh, tour company. What other companies have you worked for with? Um, I've worked with them. I've done a tour with the Hawk mountain group from the United States. Oh yes. So we did that last year about this. It was a similar package. Mm-hmm. Um, the the focus was supposed to be raptors, but with birds, you know, it's like we want to see everything. So that was sure. a really that was a really fun trip too. Um, and I do uh, day tours here and there as well. But the main companies I have worked with before would be Rhodes Color and um the Hawk Mountain Mountain Groups, and then a few um personal tours that maybe somebody would reach out to me via eBird or so right. forth. Right, right, and um. So Francis, what's the best way for someone to reach out to if if uh if I wanted to get a hold of you to take me birding in Belize, how would I do that? The best way would be email. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I have your email Canto. address. Yep. Yeah, I'll I'll put your email address in the podcast notes, so that'll be easy. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, I think you're on Facebook too, aren't you? Yes, Facebook and Instagram. You can find me on those, and you can contact me on any of those if you. Want a bird with me? If you just want, if you just want tips, that's fine as well. If you want Very to do your cool. own trip and just need some help, yeah, trying to figure out where to go, I can help with that as well. Or I can point you in the right direction if you need. If I can't do it, and I, you need in, somebody to take you on a tour, I can hook you up with somebody quite easily. 
you know the community. Hey, Fran- Francis, that's really cool. Thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast today. I appreciate it. Uh, I, you know, Belize hadn't uh, been high on my uh, list of places to go, but it sounds like it should be. Maybe I'll, uh, you should. maybe I'll add that. My daughter lives in Costa Rica, so I'm kind of going sort of that direction pretty regularly. Yeah, maybe I'll uh, make, <laughs> maybe I'll make a stop off in uh, Belize and I'll uh, look you up. Uh, yeah, we can spend a few days, or even if it's just a day or two, yeah. we can get some birds and then keep on going. That would be cool. Francis, thanks so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Uh, and uh, you take care and good birding. Thank you too for having me and you get some good birds as well too. I will. Thank you now. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Bird Bader Podcast. Thanks for listening. Be sure to stay tuned for the next episode. We'll hear lots more about the fifth largest continent by size ahead of Europe and Australia and about my expedition to see the Falkland Islands, South Georgia, and the Antarctic Peninsula. Until then, good birding. Good day. Good day.